Hi, I'm a manic pixie bird of prey, Winnie Cooper's hawk. And I don't want much from Zoe Deschanel, just her voice. It's Ursula the Sea Bitch. And this is Reading Drag Race, the show where we talk about whatever we want. But mostly RuPaul's Drag Race. Hey, Ursula, how are you doing? Hey, Condi. I'm I'm okay, you know? I, I think, uh... I think we're all striving for okay. I don't think, I don't believe anyone's Instagram. I don't think anyone's living their best life right now. But, you know, we can all be okay together. <laughs> um, my husband and therapist both advised, early on I was doing very well and I am very introverted and I had like a very regimented schedule, exercising twice a day. I'm applying for jobs. I had like a like journaling on intentionality. I was super focused. And I feel like both of them really encouraged me to like, slow down, have a couple days without a schedule, allow myself to pause and feel this. And what I've learned is that I desperately need that order and organization. And I know that they meant well in encouraging me to get out of that routine, but I've just been spinning where now I'm like, I am going to be even more rigid with this schedule to like be okay and be productive in this time. But I think like many people, I'm in this like, I'm doing great. And I was for like the first three weeks maybe four weeks, and then it's like, and now I'm really not doing okay, and I'm spinning, and everything seems meaningless. And now I'm like, we'll get back into the routine when you were doing great, because at that point you had, like, purpose, hope, direction. Um, it's it's like I'm at, like, a nine or a two. Yeah, And never that. anywhere in between. Yeah, uh, my job still, uh, my job allows me to work from home pretty much a full work week, so uh, I... I am having work stress instead of boredom. I actually would like, like, I'm honestly thinking as weird as it will sound in the request to be like, I'm taking a week off because I need a week away from thinking about stuff. Um, I, I watched the Sondheim birthday thing on YouTube last week and it was amazing. It started an hour late because Raul Esparza didn't know how Zoom worked and it was amazing watching the comments try to inform him that his sound wasn't on and him not getting it for like a solid four minutes. Uh, but at the end, uh, Bernadette Peters, who, by the way, at 72, looks better than I do at seven at 37, uh, sung a cappella, No One Is Alone From Into The Woods. And the last lines of the song are, hard to see the light now, just don't let it go. Things will come out right now. We can make it so. You are not alone. No one is alone. And right before she said, we can make it so, there was this little hitch in her voice. And I lost it. It is, it is the first time I've cried this entire crisis. And I bald for probably a solid three minutes um and i was just i was just like thank you bernadette peters for being the emotional detoxification that i needed that you've always been for me um so that was that was my week <laughs> yeah no that makes sense i think a lot of people um have reported a similar experience watching that so that yeah makes when, sense. When, when it was just christine baranski singing uh ladies who lunch i screamed and then when they added meryl streep and audrey mcdonald on that zoom call that was like this all this doesn't make the whole thing worth it because nothing could but this took us this took a solid swing at it <laughs> yeah I, I that certainly makes sense um yeah i think i've been crying more during quarantine watching television i think in part because i am watching television more and in part because it this this entire scenario just sort of inspires a little bit of an existential crisis and i feel like for me, it's crying more watching things that, I mean, it's tears of joy, I think, or like the human experience is so multifaceted and it's like reaffirming uh, the, like that life is beautiful in its own way. It's more of those sorts of moments. But again, I'm operating at, at twos and nines and like nothing in between. <laughs> so say lovey. So do you want to get into this week's episode of Drag Race? Yes. All right. So we're covering RuPaul's Drag Race season twelve, episode ten, the makeovers, and I got serious drag view vibes from this one. What about yourself? That was my thought too. Like the bulk of my notes for the from the top were, huh, it's interesting that we're having cis women on the prime show to get makeovers when the whole debate about whether trans women can do drag is some kind of sense that women have some advantage in drag it was it was a very it was kind of like it would have been more interesting had they actually kind of engaged uh some of this some of that discussion yeah uh like like the the the, the like do they still call them bio queens because that seems like that would be an incorrect term uh nowadays 
but like there are cis women who've done drag to to a fair amount of success and i follow a couple on instagram they're delightful people uh but i kind of like i think what was missing was some acknowledgement of what is the dynamics of straight people in gay spaces and women in a traditionally male space like, like th there was a conversation to be had and i know they're not going to because it's just not that kind of show certainly not on the vh1 version but i was looking for one talking head to like at least acknowledge it is a discussion boy you covered a lot um yeah no i i hear you uh i agree with you about that discussion i don't think it was really addressed i feel like between this and celebrity, it's interesting because it's like cis women in this space doing drag and, and the show seems to be comfortable sort of conceding to drag as a performative art form that is distinct from just female impersonation and cis women being sort of there already. Um, the trans issue was not addressed. Uh, it was... It just was very drag you vibes. And in a lot of ways, the show has reached a point now where it is so popular and successful because straight movement watching it more than gay men, even though it is still huge in the LGBT community in terms of viewership, um, it felt like a little bit of fan service to the plethora of straight women who are fans and who go to drag con, etc. Um, yeah. Which I am not opposed to. I wish there was more of a dialogue about gender issues and the how much how much uh, the LGBT movement for rights in the past decade has moved forward not just in terms of legislation but culturally in terms of the dialogue um, and I think there was a space for a lot of conversation around the sorts of discrimination LGBT people face and parallels with misogyny and themes of empowerment and I feel like it was a little more group therapy fan service for cis women than something that would direct that would address kind of more cerebral concepts like it wasn't it wasn't trying to do that and i i wish it would um yeah well like it having them all talk about what drag meant to them there was this like dissonance for me where it's like you're you're giving me the teary-eyed drag saved my life story and coming from someone not in the queer community like i I, I don't want to be a gatekeeper for experiences and you can draw inspiration from wherever you draw it, but it did, it, it, it is, it, I think with any other combination of an oppressed group and mainstream culture enjoying that, the art that they make, it would be more obviously, that's a weird thing to say. Like, I, I'm trying to th think of a, of like a, something I could draw similarly where it's like, I wouldn't go up to Nina Simone and say, your music really helped me feel better about my life, because I just think that would be a weird conversation to have. If that, like, do, do you get what I'm saying? Like, am I, I, am I, I making sense? I hear what you are saying. I do disagree. Um, like, I understand what you're saying. It, it does make sense on some level. I myself feel like, I mean, I do work with a nonprofit that has a lot to do with professional mobility of LGBT people. And I feel like there is this larger cultural narrative that like the gay rights movement has been very successful. We're like on the other side of this war and people see us as equal and we're able to get married. And especially cis gay white men whom don't get me wrong. I love making fun of um, get promoted just as much and are wealthy. And like the truth of the matter is we don't, we're not seen as leaders. We do not get promoted. We actually, if you look at the statistics as, as like professional competence and rate of promotion, it is staggeringly dire amongst all demographics of the LGBT community. And I think a lot of the misogyny that women face that is the world asking or assuming them to be smaller is, a, is there is a tremendous amount of parallels with the sorts of discrimination the LGBT community faces. I think there's more nuanced harsher and like religious discrimination the lgbt community faces but i for me it is a clear parallel why straight women would find inspiration in the sort of cult of the female superhero female empowerment persona that you find within drag culture and i get it i just wish they'd talk about it more that's it yeah had there been had there been that like follow-through of 
you you draw strength from this, but put it in its broader context. Like yeah, like like this could fit into a broader conversation about you know appropriation, uh, enjoyment versus uh, versus appropriate. Like all of the bigger things, this was like the perfect episode to have that discussion. And without any of the discussion, it did just leave me in that like you said very drag you place where it was just like this is just this is almost like uh, the first round of Queer Eye where it was like. It didn't quite get to, and I'm not saying I didn't like the first round of Queer Eye. It was a it was a valuable thing in its moment, but it did feel like a slight return to queer people are here to be your best friend to help you get ready for the date type thing. It did, and the thing is, I'm not opposed to that happening. I I do, and I agree with you. Queer Eye at its moment in time was a relevant moment for that for the cultural conversation at that time it did feel like if we're not going to talk about some of these bigger issues and the dramatic strides we've made in the past decade, but that both lessening that the world puts on gay men and women is real and why straight women would find such inspiration in this space. If we're not going to talk about it, then it does feel like the gays are here to be like the magical fairy who makes me up and makes me feel like a woman in a way that feels subservient. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one thing I will say, nor- it's funny, I was thinking, but normally uh, you start us off by talking about the walk back into the workroom and there really, there wasn't one. There wasn't one. They, they come into the workroom and then they jump right to Rue coming in to explain the challenge. And that was my first thought about something I'm going to I'm going to talk about a little bit I think over the episode where it keeps coming up. I think this is the first episode where trying to edit Sherry out really causes a problem. It's it's now a gap that can't be papered over because there's so much other material. It really like the the only reason I could see to not have any workroom conversation at all is because we're down to 6 people that conversation would necessarily include Sherry given the size of personality we saw her give in the unedited premiere. Uh, so I really was kind of looking out for that this episode, this sense of is Sherry's absence really going to start making it harder to craft like a cohesive hour and a half of this show? I'm going to say that I have long criticized production of this show as they are trying to film this and produce storylines by eliminating people who do way better in challenges, etc. And for a long time, I've felt that I would much rather production just have these drag queens compete and judge them fairly. Their attempts to produce it, as far as I can see it, are shitty, and the reality of it would probably just be a lot more entertaining, as far as I can tell. Um, And I felt like earlier in the season, the edits were a little less, we're giving you a linear storyline with these organized sound bites and a little more chaotic in a way that felt more real because yeah. they had to chop out uh, Sherry as much as they did. And I actually think it added to it because I don't think they're good at producing a larger story arc. And I don't think they're good at deciding between two lip syncs, one being much better than another, what they can excusably get away with without us like clearly seeing through the fourth wall. Um, I do feel that it's reached a point now where I understand why they hyper-corrected at the top. At the end of the series, they cannot try to hide her like they did at the beginning. They have responded relatively responsibly. I agree with you. They're hypercorrecting. That probably is why they didn't have a... I didn't think about it until you said that. That probably is why they didn't have a back in the workroom. I think now we're at a point where the shock of it has worn off a little bit. And I think it will actually would actually do more good for people to see the, the human side of a predator. To see like... That... Yeah, yeah. The, the biggest problem in talking about and, and handling these allegations yeah. is someone who only knows them as a good person can't reconcile what they did with who they know. And that's a vital part of making this problem better. Yes. Uh, it, 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 her talent does not excuse what she did, but neither does what she did void her talent. Yes. We won't give her money for her talent anymore, and that's correct. But you can't, you, you can't round down to say she's not a talented queen because she's a monster, because plenty of very talented people are also monsters. And depending on if you were like a male director in the 70s, we pretty much told you your genius and your monster are co-terminous parts of a personality. You have to have both to make your movie. Um, True. Been reading, been reading a lot of uh, cinema books over the break and it's not a nice, no, moving on. Um, 
So moving on. So what? So moving on to the pairing up of the queen. No, yeah. No mini challenge. We just get right to pairing the queens. Uh, I thought that the girl who became Jackie's partner actually kind of looked like Heidi. Like her face shape just made me think Heidi. And I kind of really wanted them to get paired up because I think it would have been fun to see how that would have worked out. But yeah. I think this is looking at them interacting. Most of the makeover challenges, by and large, have some gap. Even if it, like, in the early part of the show, in the early seasons, it was, we are actively not of this world and are a little uncomfortable being here. And that was worth some some fun, you know, getting the daddies out of their comfort zone. Even more positive ones, like, uh, I think the best makeover challenge is actually the, with the backstage crew, because I think they did such a good, they were, they were game for it, but still a little removed from it. Yeah. There was there was not as much transformation here, not because they were transforming cis women, but because they were turning drag fans into drag queens, all of whom wanted to be there, and there wasn't like a learning experience in the same way. Like like even with the backstage crew who wanted to be there and were all to a person had a great time, there was still like a this is a thing I don't truly understand, engage with primarily. So there was still a real moment of you can see what this does. And I didn't get that in the in this episode maybe that's part of what i'm missing too there's no real sense of a journey for the trans either the transformers or the transformees as much so um when rue announces the pairing and the 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 women are waiting in the area and they come in and they're surprised i feel like it's supposed to feel touching but i also feel like this is a bunch of women who love this show who probably don't know any of these queens yet and so yeah. that felt a little forced and odd, but I understand that they would be excited from Jump. I like that they wouldn't know who they were because they wouldn't really know have thoughts on who they would want to be paired with. It's just a general enthusiasm for the show. Um, and your comment about transformation, I would say I feel like that might have been true. I feel like they tried to fill in the gaps with like group therapy moments between the pairings. Yeah. That yeah. felt, again, a little like, this gay friend of here of yours is here to, for you to unload all of your problems and insecurities and fears. We're the magical, like, third sex that is here to, like, be a fairy wizard and change you. And I feel like that trope and being seen and treated that way by straight women is something that I feel like a lot of gay men have articulated taking issue with in the past 10 years. And it felt tone deaf for it to be these women are game and now we're going to have each of them cry with their partner except with Gigi's because Gigi's like not in this episode almost as little yeah. as Sherry uh, so uh, I mean for me being the supportive gay fr I treat being the supportive gay friend like second wave feminism treats being a housewife it is not the work I object to it is the default set of expectations completely Completely. Yeah. It's like, it, it is not that I don't. It, I I am my I am the supportive gay friend to several friends, and it's fun. It's fun being a fairy godmother and being like, sure, I'll go shopping with you, and we'll get iced coffee and pick out dresses and and flirt with the salesmen and have a nice little afternoon where we just have a little makeover montage. That's fun. But then when you know I need help and support, that person is also there for me because that because we're friends, not because I'm her accessory. Yes. Um. But yeah, I, I, I get yeah, it's not it's not that I don't enjoy doing it, it's that I just don't like being reduced to it. Yes, I agree um, with that. Being somebody who worked in a industry that has almost no queer people at one firm for over a decade, I stopped going to company events because straight women who I barely knew at work would come over to me one drink in and confess about the intra office affair they were having. Oh, God. As though I was in some way there to be their confidant right yeah. now. And it was always like, I don't know you. And the little bit I do know of you, I don't like. So I'm deeply confused why you're at my desk. The sort of presumed expectation of like, so I'm we'll planning. Friends, yeah. yeah. Totally. At, and at very particular times, like when I need you to be my therapist or my stylist. Suddenly yeah. I'm talking to you a lot because I'm planning a wedding. I have helped several friends plan weddings. I really enjoy it. I am kind of aggressive about it. Uh, I do not do that with strangers. And I think it is weird to... That, that treatment, that like presumed subservient 
you're going to be Rupert Everett to my Julia Roberts projection is so, like, the thing is, gay men don't complain about it arbitrarily. With straight women whom I love and have good friends with, I do those things. With strangers who presume I, like, want, like, I'm waiting in the wings wanting to be that person for them. Yeah, I am totally. deeply confused by your concept of reality. Well, it's always it's always that woman who feels completely comfortable asking a pers- a gay person she just met detailed questions about their sex life. It's gotten it's gotten better over the last like ten years, but I remember a time in like the late '90s, early 2000s, where people like especially people who supported in broad strokes gay rights thought that meant it, 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 it's like the queer equivalent of touching a person of color's hair without asking where it's just like i feel completely comfortable in, in, engaging in this deeply personal thing with you uh it's like what well, do you like being fisted barbara let's talk about that like it just i ugh. <laughs> no i i mean i don't think the intersection is 100 but it's certainly over 50 like i think you're right <laughs> that it is yeah. it is yes there is definitely overlap in that type um so, all right. We we are very focused today. This is us at the top of our game. I mean, honestly, we're, we're having a real discussion about gender politics and yeah. queer rights and queer representation and the weird expectations put on us. I'm fine with that. Um, the show didn't, so we might as well. Um, so, what did you think of the episode as a whole? I enjoyed it. I didn't love it. Um... It was just kind of there for me. And again, maybe I don't feel joy right now because I'm kind of protecting myself. Because if I can stop myself from getting too high, maybe I can also stop myself from getting too low. Um, But yeah, I just didn't have like a real attachment to it. Um, The editing, again, like it just felt very chaotic. Like it was very hard to latch on to things. Like it was clear from what they had with Janet the Planet that she was gonna that in the before time she would have been a big chunk of that episode. I agree. And without it, it was a little all over the place. It was just, it was a lot of repetition. It, yeah, it was six group therapy sessions that all had pretty much the same cause, effect, and solution. Yes. And that made it harder to sink into it. And maybe this, and this is something the show also hasn't done really since its earliest seasons when they were still making their own stuff more. I would have loved if they just pivoted to. If they're going to do drag you, do drag 101. Like, show us painting a queen's face and be like, well, this is where you start. And this is highlighter. And this is all of the, the nuts and bolts of doing drag. Because I would have enjoyed that. I, I love watching. would have at least added dimension to what was essentially five group therapy sessions. Yeah. Like, yeah. Just uh, like, it's like watching a home repair show or a cooking show. Like, even if I'm not into that thing, it's still fun to watch a master do it well. Yes. And that would have been... Would have been fun. Um, the ladies themselves were all fine, other than like Jada's girl not liking heels. No one was really not up for whatever. I think she couldn't walk in heels. I think she yeah. was willing. It was the able part. So fair enough. Yeah. Um, I thought it was. I will say one of the most compelling parts of this was that woman. I think had bone structure that Jada clocked. She could make look like hers very quickly, which was accurate. Um, but she. The woman did not have the Jada Essence Hall attitude. She's very much a perfectionist. And it was interesting to watch the two of them try their best to work together, but to be kind of in two different places and manage to meet a middle ground. I do think that that was very hard for Jada and tested her patience. I think she's a militant perfectionist who's very hard on herself. Um, And it was really nice to see her choke up talking about her relationship and see the softer, like, vulnerable, yeah. emotional side of Jada, because I do think that's a part of her that she hides even from herself. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, no. Jada at home is probably a different person. Is Jada a cancer? I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised. I'm really? Saying, like, really? What, hard on... I don't she, think she's... Like, she does not give me cancer vibes at all. Well, I'm just saying, hard on the outside, soft on the inside... I will give you the heart on the outside, soft on the inside. I've definitely gotten that impression from her. Yeah, okay. I mean, I get where you're coming from. I'm not sure I, I yeah. fully see her as a can't. But, but you're it, right, you're right. But thank you for bringing up Jada's boyfriend, who was 
very handsome and was just a nice little like like you know when you're chopping fresh herbs and you get that little hint of the scent and yeah. it's like bright and alive yes yes that was what seeing that man's face you know was for i me. love a pouty lip with a like a very nice lip line um you know mahershala ali sort of yeah. lip line moment it, yeah no he was beautiful uh which did not surprise me but it was it was sweet to see that part of jada that i honestly did not think we would ever see one yeah yeah um yeah i liked i liked finding out that jackie did hedwig which makes perfect sense oh completely completely <laughs> i thought that crystal methods girl wore the requisite amount of eyeliner for me to know you are a mousy talking girl who likes to say there is a bad bitch inside but there is not a bad bitch inside you just abuse eyeliner um i thought that was an interesting pairing <laughs> um and that is a type i like oh, I, i'll I'm... say right now that's a type like i get it you dated bad boys in high school so you like to say in the mousiest most indirect I, you can't make eye contact way that there's a bad girl inside and there is not you just misapply eyeliner um i thought it was interesting that crystal did not have a discussion that we saw that was like so my drag like verges on and at times is fully like glamour clown um and i appreciated that that her partner was so willing to go there and participate as much as she was i want you to know that in these troubling times one of the things i depend on for my sense of normalcy is you being a really blunt bitch thank you (laughs) you're welcome um uh heidi's pairing was interesting because it seemed like she was fucked from jump between her makeup skills and this woman's discomfort in wearing anything drag adjacent um, and having the responsibility to make a garment that would fit her. What did you think about that pairing and discussion? Um, I hate to like, part of me always thinks, you know, if you get the rough pairing, that's the chance to shine because even if you just do okay with the degree of difficulty, that's what gets you a win. Because, uh, like, comparing her to, like, Gigi, Gigi looked great. Gigi made her girl look great, but Gigi's girl also already looked great. So it was, it was like, low degree of difficulty. So the best Gigi could do was safe because it just wasn't that hard to do. Where Heidi, had she made a couple... I, I feel like this episode, and I don't want to jump too far into the comments, but there was one that I think is relevant here where it was like, they were feeding Heidi ideas during her critique, and it felt like the dark side of the fun workroom version of that conversation, where it's like it's like one too many times Rue has fed her the good idea, and she hasn't either, she, either because she just can't, or she just hasn't worked that muscle enough to start asking those questions up front and answering them quickly and intelligently. Yeah. Like, like I agree. I, I think as a basic shape, she was showing her leg. It should have been a little more cinched under the bust, but, like, it looked solid as for given the kind of like the you're jumping all the way to the runway i'm not yeah okay but what what i'm saying is like what heidi needed to do more than anything even more than like the transformation itself was demonstrate she can start feeding herself those suggestions that rue has been softballing her all season i agree and that that's the real i think that's where heidi stumbled uh okay uh are there any of the other pairings you feel like discussing i agree with the general assessment that Gigi is a pretty girl who does pretty girl drag and was paired with a pretty girl. And I liked Janet. She seemed fine. She seemed like a nice lady. And I'm sure being six feet tall is not easy to do in our society for a woman. Sure. So, like, I'm very sad that someone else's fuck up uh, robbed her of what I believe would be a much brighter edit. Oh, completely. I think she's gay famous now. And I think she would be even more iconically gay famous. If not, I think Janet the Planet is a thing that people will be screaming at her at DragCon from here on out. And I yeah. think now it's going to be like a dozen people when she walks in. And I think the edit previous, prior to Sherry's sexual, mis- like sexual, whatever, prior to the Sherry re- Sherry Pie inspired re-edit, um, it would be like a hundred as opposed to a dozen. Yeah. So, uh, which is whatever. Um, all right. So let's take a commercial break and then come back and discuss the runway yeah sure you, you, we got to make those ad dollars have you tried not for those times when you feel like offering an opinion on the internet on a subject you only just learned about on wikipedia always remember you could not 
For those times when you feel like bombarding the mentions of an actor just trying to make a living because you're mad about something a writer, a totally different human being did, you could not. When you find yourself about to lecture a member of an historically oppressed minority about their life experience, all you have to do is just not. It's not, and it's available anytime, anywhere, and it's the perfect way not to show your entire ass to the entire internet all at once. Just remember that not every thought, opinion, or feeling you have needs to be fucking expressed the minute your fucking brain creates it, and you too can just not. Not. Because you shouldn't. And now back to the show. All right, and we're back. It is time for the runway. Uh, starting with, as ever, Mama herself. I loved Rue's look this week. It was gorgeous and texture. Uh, it, was it was stunning. It was stunning. She hasn't really served not stunning this season, has she? No, no. I mean, I feel like she got a lot of criticism for a long time for everything she's doing, just sort of feeling middle of the road host ball gown. And I was always like, I mean, if she brings us a 10 every week, are we just going to complain that like it's a 10 every week? But I do feel like she's gone out of her way to bring it up to an 11 every week at this point. Yeah, uh, it's, and I get it. Like, I, I think middle of the road ball gown is all I could achieve, certainly now, but beautiful. Yeah, beautiful. Absolutely. Um, all right. So I don't remember the order they walked in and I'm not too worried about order, but let's start with. Heidi, uh, what did you think of this look? Or this, right. these looks, rather? I like the idea of doing Donna Summer and Diana Ross. Great fucking idea. Um, it works, and it doesn't. I feel like, like I was saying before, I feel this. a lot of this look typifies Heidi's... Heidi has not developed the ability to self-edit yet. And I think a few small changes would have made this more credibly, clearly safe. But I'll also say this. There wasn't a bad... This was the least good look on the runway, but not because it was a bad look. Yeah. Oh, no. I mean, I I keep saying that about this season. It's like what a good all-star season should be. We have to split hairs to send someone home. Nobody is fucked up. Like, we're all great drag queens. It's really going to be splitting hairs and making these decisions. Nobody's going to totally fuck it up. Yeah, when they did that, when they did that flashback to some of the season six uh, horror show transformations. First of all, so shady. Second, amazing. Um, like no, this, this would have won, or at least been in the top three of other seasons of transformation challenges. Yeah, like yeah, I mean, so I like yeah, I I like it, but I don't love it, and I can think of like five things to do that would be pretty quick, and then would make me love it. So, to me, Heidi had an amazing rose gold disco look that was stunning, and she had a uh, a very large plus-size partner, and constructing a garment for her would be challenging and time-consuming in time that Heidi may or may not have had. I actually, as much as I feel like everybody did well, everybody did do well, but Heidi, to me, clearly did the worst conceptually i get what she's going for with the diva pairing but ultimately these looks are disparate they're both feminine soft looks it's a it's a you know a rose gold and like a lab an elegant lavender that sort of pairs well with it but stylistically structurally and specific unity and color tone like she had nothing that really tied them together enough for me that it felt like and literally like Figuring out a way to add, I don't know, I I just, there were a lot of things she could have done to unify them more than she did. I think she was really set on wearing this garment, and I'm not sure that was the right call. If one of her, um, if one of the other drag queens had this dress, and it would actually fit her partner, so that sort of spared her from having to make a garment, then I think it was up to Heidi to look for a garment that she has that is closest to this or fashion a skirt very quickly with something she could pair that would tie them together. And to me, Heidi was clearly the worst in this challenge and absolutely belonged in the bottom two. Not because this was a train wreck, but because it sort of missed the point of the challenge and it's the only one that missed the point of the challenge in any way to me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, What did you think about Jackie and Snacky Cox? Uh, Little Snacky Cox was cute. I I liked the... I liked a lot of this. Uh, what I didn't like most was actually on the Jackie side. Uh, Jackie obviously has a very handsome, very masculine face. 
And something about the makeup with the jumpsuit that's not really that fitted was making her look very masculine this week. Like, I I think it's one of those... she. I don't think Jackie can as easily do a feminine trouser the way, say, like, uh, Gigi can. because She needs just... much more padding to make it look feminine than she was wearing. She looked like a man in women's clothing. Exactly. Um, so that's, like, uh, uh, the parts of this that I think don't work were on the Jackie side, which in its own way is is, like, more bad than... If the amateur drag queen doesn't look great, but I thought little snack, little snacky Cox was cute. She was game for it. She was fun. I would drink at a bar with her, and you know, no, she was cute and fun. And I feel like this is fine. This isn't great. An earlier yeah. makeover season challenge. This would be good middle of the road. Season twelve with this like powerhouse. This is underwhelming. Also, and I'm saying this both of Heidi and Jackie, and then just historically other queens have done this when you do the disco era like rupaul started doing drag wearing like afros and doing sort of diana ross stuff the the 70s like black women in the 70s that's like rue's favorite look you cannot do a lip sync to a song like that that's comedic it's too iconic it's like the high holy everything for rupaul and whenever you do anything in this era you're going to get knocked for any detail because it's like yeah. Ru- it's when Rue was coming of age and she paid the most attention and she's not willing to let you be playful or a little off about it. And right. Unless you have a literal Halston dress, don't even bother. Yeah, no, totally. Like to me, this is like a danger Will Robbins zone. Like it's just yeah. stay the fuck away from it. Yeah. Um, and neither of them did. And they both landed in the bottom two. And I know I saw something posted. I can't remember everybody now, but it was like a post that was like, on the internet that was like, here's what happens when you do this era. And it was like a bunch of girls who've done looks of this time period who ended up in the bottom two. Yeah. Um, so, all right. And then Jada and I for Jada and jazz. Yeah. When this came out, I at first thought the only thing unifying them was the dresses, but on second pass, she did an amazing job with that face. Yeah. Oh no. She picked a woman with cheekbones that she could do makeup on to make them look like they share at least one of the same parents. And yeah. frankly, I think when you're crossing racial lines doing a, a resemblance challenge, that's my goal. I have cousins where they have different fathers and one is mixed race and one is Caucasian and they look very much alike. To me, the challenge is like, you know, a lot of people talk about how that's like a hang up for these things. Yeah. And it isn't. Uh, like, it's harder. Well, I, it's everyone harder. has cheekbones. Yes. And <laughs> I think Jada really made this work. Um, but I also think she chose the right person to choose for her, even if it was like, I think she would be able to make this woman look like her. And if it was like hard to get her to desensitize herself to heels, Jada was going to apply the right social pressure to make it happen regardless. <laughs> um, I, I hope Jada released this nice woman's family very quickly after this episode was over, uh, having con- having satisfied her conditions. <laughs> I agree, honey. Uh, um, all right. And then... Next, we have Crystal Method, who came down the runway dressed with her mousy partner in what is essentially Bert and Ernie cosplay drag, mixing and matching problem patterns and bold statement jewelry left and right to make something that looked like elegant Bert and Ernie femme clown realness. In a way that was like so its own fucking lane. I I truly hope that both Gigi and Crystal Method get contacted by fashion houses uh, for the work they've shown. Because I am so fucking impressed with both of them. I, I don't know how Crystal Method is able to make problem patterns look so fucking chic all of the time. This is her fourth week in the top. I'm so impressed with what she did. I fucking loved this. It gagged me. And this mousy woman totally came out of her shell to perform it. What did you think? Uh, When you said that, there's a saying in music that a a wrong note sung timidly is a wrong note. A wrong note sung loudly is an interpretation. And I think that's what Crystal does. Crystal wears these insane patterns without an ounce of hesitation or self-consciousness. There's like joy at the opportunity to wear them. And even if you like... uh, uh, Janelle Monae is great at this, in a different way, is great at this, where some of those looks she wears should not work. Like, just 
what is happening. But on her, they sing because the person wearing them forces them to. And I think Crystal does much the same thing. There's just an energy to how she presents them that you believe what she believes because she does it so vividly and joyously. I saw these come down the runway and I cracked up. I was just literally like, this is so dumb. It's brilliant. This is so insane. I love it. Like, I I expected it would be one of those, well, she certainly stuck to herself and swung for the fences. But you're right. It lands. And, and again, maybe maybe the, maybe it's the detailing, like doing the spiky hair with the single spike, like all of the tiny choices of the jewelry and the, like every single thing about this worked. Completely. She is such a visionary. And as much as at the top of this episode, it was a little like this felt like queer group therapy moments. Um, I do think that Crystal did the right emotional work to cultivate a relationship with this woman that she felt confident trust falling into wearing this look and working the runway the way she did, which I think is a huge challenge. Yeah, yeah. No, I I saw this and I was just like, I love it so much. It's it's also nice. It, it's like when you find yourself attracted to someone who's not your type, where it's like, oh, what a novel experience. This was lovely. Um, this is not my favorite kind of drag. It's not what I gravitate to in picking something to watch or give my tips to. But I love it so much almost because it broke through that. Yeah, no, like, I totally get that. Yeah, it's it's easy for Jackie Cox and similar comedy drag queens to make me squee because that's my wheel. I like that, and I know I like that. For someone to give me what has tripped up other out there queens, you know, the the milks and the maxes of the world, where they just couldn't land it every week, uh, by sticking to their guns and hamstrung them, she's made it work beautifully, time after time. Everything yeah. that Crystal Method attempts to do. She does as an A plus level. I'm not yeah. saying she's always attempting to do and what Rue is really looking for, but what she is, what her vision is, she does at an A plus level. Yeah. Um, next, we have Sherry Pie and Janet the Planet. I was impressed how much Janet the Planet looked like Sherry Pie with this makeup, but I guess when you're when that your beat is basically a mask, it, it can happen. Yeah. Um, I love diners i love like sassy waitresses that whole trope is fun to me always like it's is it like basic and classic and trope absolutely does it always give me joy also absolutely i enjoyed this runway a lot and i thought they performed it well and her drag name was what was it uh tara misu yeah oh so great and like yeah and I agree with you on the on the on the on the diner and waitress thing. Yeah, I I want a I want a woman with a smoky voice to bring me another coffee, call me hun, and then gently shade me. That that's how I feel love. Like <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I love it when they say should. Um, <laughs> all right, and then I want to talk about Gigi Good. I yeah. feel like Gigi was given the the like most traditionally pretty kind of thin girl that was would be easy to put makeup on. And she had two looks that are sort of iconic images of, like, rich bitch women, and she picked the right wigs to pair them. And so this is a look that I absolutely get would, like, it is done perfectly to a T at, like, Mm -hmm. not just a 10, but an 11. And this is, like, iconic rich bitch imagery that would resonate with RuPaul. Literally, these are two outfits that would, like, anybody who was not very overweight Gigi would be able to put this coat on and also being Gigi she would know exactly how to tailor if it was a bigger coat exactly how to tailor it to whoever came in that she had to pair with and it would take virtually no time it's so simple that for me Gigi was barely in this episode because what she what she had to work with and what she did was so under so dramatically underwhelming yeah that I felt like some of the judges, including Michelle, were like, it's just so underwhelming. And Rue was like, but it was good. And he's right, but it was so underwhelming. Um, no, it's, it, it's like watching gymnastics competitions where your your max score possible is determined by the degree of difficulty of the routine. Yeah. And this is just a, the best this could be is a 9 out of 10, because even if she does it perfectly, it's at best a 9. Yeah. And for me, this is like at best a seven because of who she had to work with and how much this look you can just put on anybody within a pretty 
wide size range and it looks yeah. exactly the same. Yeah. Um, so I, I was surprised. That, I mean, I was surprised Rue was so like, but it worked. Um, Cause to me, I don't know. It's not, I feel like Jackie and Gigi were both like, this is underwhelming. Um, do you, do you think Gigi should have been in the bottom two? I think she should have been at least in the bottom three. There should have been a discussion. Okay. I probably would have gone with the same bottom two, but it was like solidly safe. And I was like, it really shouldn't be. And she was truly barely in this episode. Yeah. Like I think Sherry was in this episode more than Gigi. Yeah. All right. So the bottom two we've already discussed. Uh, who do you think should have won this challenge? Crystal. Crystal was robbed again. Like I love Jada. Jada did an amazing job, but she made a woman with good cheekbones have better cheekbones. Um, and Crystal created a look and an icon. Yes. Like completely. I I that look will flash through my mind on my deathbed in knock on wood 150 years. It's it is an iconic look we will all remember literally forever. And Jada yeah. did pretty drag that I will forget next week. I will probably remember that they were wearing red. Um, yeah. Jada did a great job. She's a phenomenal drag queen of the female impersonation variety. She paired everybody well. I think she worked really hard with her partner. I think she's a solid second place. But Crystal did something truly iconic. And I, I it for me, it's like... I'm glad to see that Crystal is now in her fourth week in the top. She absolutely... There, you know, there have been weeks where I've been like, oh, it's it's whatever, I splitting hairs or whatever. But I know that at least two of those weeks, including this week, I have felt that Crystal really won the challenge for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I feel like some people like to treat the top four like it's about like total wins. And for me, I'm always of the, if you're coming here and you, like if you go into the final and you've been, if you've been in the top three without winning several times, but you've brought iconic looks that have really changed the dialogue. I am not opposed yeah. to you getting that crown. Like, yeah, totally. Um, so I, I fucking love Crystal. I thought she did a great job. And I will say this, the lip sync amongst the uh, makeover ease, I guess. Um, for me, the big, what really set it over was they did that mashup and you can't really tell too much, but it was very clear yeah. that her partner had a full and confident lip sync to that song and danced the whole time and was giving face and making eyes. Oh, th- when she did that thing, like like r- outlining her hair yeah. with her hands, the big spike, like she was I died. Fully that was owning, so amazing. She yeah. was fully owning that Burt fantasy, um, and I felt like for me that was. I'm sorry, Crystal Method won this challenge, but she actually transformed her person. Yes. Um, all right, so we have the lip sync between Heidi and Jackie. What did you think? It was happy coincidence, I guess. They were both in uh, disco looks for this song. Um, I think Jackie gave a more specific performance. Like, she had a clearer character in mind. Heidi was definitely high energy and her normal charming self. By the end of the lip sync, I was saying to myself, I'll accept a double save. I think there's a valid case for a double save to be made here. Gun to my head, I would have picked Jackie over Heidi based on the lip sync. And that's kind of where I am. Okay. Um, I think that Heidi is the one who really didn't do the challenge fully. Um, And for that reason, I would be inclined to send Heidi home if anybody at this point. Um, Yeah. And, but I do feel, I actually liked Heidi's lip sync more than Jackie's. And I think they're two very divergent ways to do it. I thought Jackie's was almost like she was overdoing the psychotic girl trope. Yeah. It was like, It kind of, it kind of overshot funny because it didn't have enough layers and it was just like I look insane at every that. mark on I, this song. Um, yeah, I get that. For me, like, did it merit it at all? Yeah. Do I think this episode and these transformations and the slip sync was so transformative that like I would? I don't think I would have kept two personally. I mean, and I love both of these girls so. Um, yeah, I would. it was one of those, I would have been fine with Heidi being sent home, but I'm not mad at Heidi getting another chance. I think she is a very talented queen, and I am just enjoying the fuck out of her, so... Same, same. Uh, also, so they're I'm going just... into a comedy stand-up challenge, and I did think afterwards, when I saw the preview for next week, 
they're not going to send Jackie home right before this. Yeah. I I am curious about next week. That's going to be they, they, VH1 money. It, it's real. Yeah. No, I'm, I am curious how, ne- how next week will go and when the actual finale is airing. Like, yeah. Are they extending it another week now that they have another girl? Are they double eliminating? What is happening with the finale? Yeah. I have. Yeah. I haven't. I, it shocks me that I, I kind of wonder if they've decided because normally someone says something on Reddit about these kinds of things. And I just haven't heard even a hint of anything yet. Yeah, I, I know. Um, I do. I am curious. And I, I will ask you this. How do you think next week's. Uh, how do you think next week's challenge will go? I think I think it's make or break for Jackie because if she doesn't do well here, then there's no reason to keep her around. If she crushes it to the point where there's no editing around her win, then then she stays, obviously. I think Jada will be fine because Jada has Jada has shown that at her worst, she can still do okay even in a comedy challenge that's not really in her wheelhouse. I think Gigi might be like Gigi's too pretty to have it to real to for me to really think she's going home, but I could see her being enough off her game or something not landing again because it happened with the with the commercial. I think if anyone goes home, uh, is it Heidi who I think is most likely to go home? Is that what I've talked myself into? I think will that be the end of like Heidi's diamond in the rough arc? She's so funny all the time. That I could see a stand-up or roast challenge, like, maybe being too structured that she falls off. But Mm -hmm. I just see her even rolling with that. That, like, it wouldn't... It's not like it's outside of the realm of possibility that she'll fuck that up. But I see her doing well with it. To me, I feel like the two who I don't think will do well with this are Crystal and Gigi. And thus, I think one of them will be going home. Mm. Yeah. I... I really want Crystal to do well because I want her in the top. I want her in the top four to be. I want to see what she does in a finale setting with a finale budget. I agree. I completely agree. Um, like Crystal is the one I'm most invested in having the top four, but I'm not confident she will make it there. I will say the the sort of Katya Cracker narrative that I thought they assigned to Jackie early on, and she cemented herself as not quite that type to me, but I still think that they're editing her as that character within the way they do these episodes i think that would dictate that there's going to be an episode where it's like and this is in your wheelhouse and you couldn't even make this work and then she'll go home because that's like a trope they love to do with queens like jackie absolutely um which means like just based on edit and history jackie's most likely to go home next week like it'll like even if she's funny they'll be like it was a b Eh." and like we're gonna put you in the bottom um so we'll see uh yeah it's it's curious yeah other than that we totally forgot to discuss the guest judge i love daisy ridley she's a very nice person i listened to her in a bunch of interviews and she's just a delight and she seemed to be having a lot of fun she just didn't get a lot to do sadly yeah no i mean she was charming for the little screen time she had i agree i I like her quite a bit too um is there anything else with this episode before we head into celebrity drag race uh nope all right I'm i'm ready to discuss the celebrities (laughs) <laughs> let's uh let's take a moment to hear a word from our sponsors before we get into celebrity drag race when you have a thought that isn't worth tweeting but feel like sharing it on instagram live stop when you cry spoilers at someone for referencing an iconic movie moment from over a decade ago please stop when you're about to lecture someone with authority on a subject you've read exactly one medium article about please just stop it's stop from the makers of not and just like not Stop is available anytime, anywhere, and it's clinically proven to stop you from being a complete fucking tool. When you feel like aggregating in public spaces and ignoring the catastrophic consequences in the midst of a rare global pandemic, please, just stop. And we're back to discuss the second week of Secret Celebrity Drag Race. The secret this time being we actually have some celebrities this time. Uh, What did you think of this episode, Hersla? I enjoyed it. It was it was an ironic pairing. Am I using irony correctly? I don't care. Ironic there. Uh, that it came with the transformation episode that was also populated by cis women. Okay. 
Yeah, so no, I agree. Great. I agree. We're already, I'm already planning on asking you to please name this episode of our podcast, Drag You Vibes. Continue. Yeah. <laughs> um, by and large, I it wasn't quite as zany as last week's, and I enjoyed it a little less overall, but still, it was, I mean, it's Vanessa fucking Williams. She is actually a celebrity. She did not need to do this. Um, she has been a guest judge twice, I believe, yep. so her, affic- her affection for the show is beyond question. And everyone was having a good time. Like, um, uh, this week's pairing for the for the queens was um, Trinity, Asia, and... Alyssa Edwards. Thank you. I literally watched it an hour ago. Um, Alyssa. And I, I, re- I do really like Alyssa. I respect Trinity, but never bonded with her. And I'm kind of meh on Asia O'Hara. So this was like just a less powerhouse trio to guide us through this for me so maybe that's why i was a little meh yeah so the stars are lonnie love from the real and i love the 80s for me she made the vh1 series i love the 80s she was one of the funniest talking heads she was paired with trinity the tuck and performed as mary j ross tammy roman from basketball wives was paired with Alyssa edwards as miss shanita cocktail and Vanessa Williams, the iconic Vanessa Williams, was paired with Asia O'Hara as Vanquish the House, Vanquisha the House, which I'm not crazy about the drag name, but I hear it. And I fucking love Vanessa Williams. I know she's like one of the most like understated divas in popular canon, but like in a lot of ways, I think her versatility and her reservedness is part of what I fucking love about her. Yeah. Um, and I was very excited to have. I felt like last week the drag queens were, because those were like some of the most successful queens to come off of this show and the funniest, like best comedians. And I felt like last week it was like the drag queen, the drag race alumni are the stars of this episode. This episode, the celebrities were the actual celebrities of the episode, which was exciting Um, and very different. I honestly think they should have started with this episode. It would have been a gag to be like, yeah, bitch, we got Vanessa motherfucking Williams. Williams. Like, Like, in All-Stars 3, when Vanessa Williams guest starred, Chi-Chi Devane was on the stage getting her critiques, and she turned to her and she said, I loved you in Eraser. And uh, Eraser is one of Vanessa Williams's less-known films that I believe she co-starred in with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> and I fucking loved that movie and watched it several times as a child, and it was funny because in that moment, everybody laughed like, what an absurd reference, and it's funny Chi-Chi's saying this. And I was like... Vanessa Williams was great in Eraser. Like, let's not forget. Also, I thought it was very funny that when she worked into, walked into the workroom, she said that she's never done drag before. Bitch, you've won Miss America. You've done drag. Okay? <laughs> like, you've done drag. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I love her. She is, she is so... I have I always love someone who knows how to manage their celebrity and their career in that way. Like she's and she talked about this. Like she's very good at being like, what's something I haven't done that I want to do? And I think that's what keeps her I think it's what keeps her so young, because I think she's just fulfilled. I think she's like she didn't get pigeonholed as being Miss America or a pop diva in the nineties, or an, like she kept just finding something to do that gave her joy and I really love watching that. Yeah, and did it very well. I believe she was like a valedictorian at her high school too. I mean, she's very smart. I can absolutely see it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm not. I might want to fact check that, but I, I believe she is academically accomplished in some way. I, I, I love this picture. Um, I thought it was funny that the quick drag was drag king looks when they did that. I wasn't exactly sure what the competition was going to be like in the end, but yeah. I thought it was fun that they all came with fully fleshed out characters and they did they, they really had, did they really did they had notes like they yes. were good yeah <laughs> yeah and i have to say of tammy roman i feel like she was paired with two people that i would be very intimidated to be paired with and i feel like in almost every challenge and almost everything they did she was in second place for me which isn't like which is a little like oh i never had my star moment but i also feel like you really held your own throughout this whole damn thing yeah if anyone ever says to me Ursula. In comparison to Vanessa Williams, you were adequate. That's a win. Yeah, I know. Totally, <laughs> totally. Um, yeah, but they, they had a lot of fun with those drag king looks. And I love seeing Vanessa Williams tearing out her tracks. I almost fell off my couch. That, that was, was 
brilliant drag queen physical comedy that was totally genuine in the moment. And she was like, fine. And I loved Lonnie Love saying, she's Vanessa (laughs) Williams. She can afford to do that. So funny. Uh, It was perfect. Like, it was also like a nice signal right at the top that even as the most famous person in the room, she wasn't going to be precious about this. Mm-hmm. Not, not just for pulling out the tracks, which, yeah, that's time and money you have to go do again, but to be seen in that not perfectly quaffed, put-together state was like, good, you are here to do the thing and not just say you came here. Like, mad respect for that. Yeah, no, completely. Um, all right, so then they have their little twerking the house down moment which is fun and playful but the thing that stood out uh for me about that moment was that they were talking with the queens about what drag has done for them and it was great to hear Alyssa edwards say we were the outcasts the little boys with sugar in the tank and the swoosh and now we get to celebrate that and inspire other people and i thought that was great and i thought that conversation was great and then i thought the twerking was fun but for me that was like the quote of the episode Because I feel like there is something to be said for... I think a lot of people forget how ostracized gay people were like a decade ago. Yeah. Um, So it was such a big deal to have any gay character when we're like one out of 11 men in the world. But we are supposed to be invisible. So it's very exciting. Um, Moving on from that. Uh, So uh, as with all seasons of all Drag Race shows, we now have the Rusical... Which I actually enjoyed. I like the. I certainly like this rusical better than than the, the main season one. Uh, it was what, what was it called? Uh, Twerkin five to nine, the parody of nine to five. Yeah, which, which I liked. I, I was like, okay, that's a fun idea. Uh, the the appearance by Dolly in the workroom. A few gays lost. Like like a, a, a you're gonna read in the papers tomorrow that like like a handful of gays' heads just literally physically exploded. Yes, and it was lovely. Like. I, I do I love Dolly Parton too like in that in that same way where like I love a star who understands their job is still their job and they have to like do it well like I, I love her dedication to me her too. craft that just inspires me um so Vanessa was the Dolly Parton character um Lonnie was Lily Tomlin and Jane Fonda was uh Tammy Tammy I was impressed by everyone and everything in the rusical i felt like vanessa williams uh is such a pretty woman and i thought asia did such a good job taking this pretty woman pulling her face back and trying to do like if you're gonna make vanessa williams look as close to dolly parton as she can for this role like i thought she did a great job and i was blown away with the physicality of Vanessa's performance, I thought, I mean, she is a star. She took yeah. it very seriously and she did it perfectly. I thought Tammy did a great job channeling Jane. I, I saw Lonnie kind of pause in her head a little bit during her performance, but overall I thought she did a great job. It was super fun. Um, and for me, it was crazy to watch it because Alyssa is like a choreographer and when they were up there, there was a moment where Vanessa was, like, so channeling Dolly that Van- that Alyssa just, like, missed her step and just, like, was staring when she was supposed to be in sync with Vanessa, which was, like, I get it. I yeah. was so impressed. Oh, no. The scene in the rehearsal of her, like, to herself going over the choreography again, I'm like, you a student. Totally. I love you. Totally. <laughs> totally. Um, um, she did I really actually, thing. I liked Lonnie's performance in part one. I think she did a really good job, but... That was a shockingly deep cut take on the life and career of Lily Tomlin. I agree. Like Sur- Search for Intelligent Life in the Universe, Big Business, her movie where she and Bette Midler play twins separated at birth, a movie I watched several times as a child and is not a great movie, but it's still very funny. Um, That's like, iconic in gay culture, though. Like, fair gay, like, we are just old enough for that to be like iconic Lily Tomlin, Bette Midler, 80s camp. Yeah, fair. Everyone, um, go watch Big Business. I'm not it's saying it's good. I'm saying it is amazing and yeah. a delight. Yes, agreed. Um, but yeah, I was like, well, shit, you guys did your homework. Like, you know, Ernestine, the, the telephone lady. Like, right. I, I'm like, m- maybe this is why I liked it so much. The writing was much better than the normal Rusical, and it was it was tight and had a point. Oh, totally. totally. It was That was really good. Take notes, people. F- ask yourself what worked about this one. Um, I, I loved Tammy going with, uh, 
80s workout Fonda. Yeah. I think that was a great idea because it let it was like the it was a obviously iconic version of Jane Fonda that would be easily achievable and draggable. Yes. And she killed it. She, she totally killed like, it. She it was one of those, was it like the best dancing in the world? No, but it, she had just that attitude perfectly. Right. So yeah. I, th- there, it's a miracle during these dark times. I enjoyed a rusical. <laughs> that is a miracle, truly. I think I'm levitating now. Um, all right. Uh, so, any other thoughts on this episode or on Vanessa winning? Or the lip sync, I, I guess? Uh, I kind of like Lonnie's lip sync more. Okay. Um, and I kind of thought she she pulled it out. I, I, I would have picked Lonnie if I were sitting in that chair. I'm, believe me, I'm not mad at Vanessa Williams winning anything. If she wants my house, she can have it. But um, yeah, I kind of thought Lonnie, and I think Lonnie had a better transformation arc and story and stuff. Like, okay, I don't know. Like, it, again, it doesn't matter who wins. It is the least consequential thing in the world. But yeah, no, they all I think did a good job with the lip sync, and they had kind of different perspectives on it. I think Vanessa's was the most sort of middle of the road, standard, and underwhelming. For me, you're right. It, it doesn't really matter. I would have crowned Vanessa Williams solely because that dolly was like, yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I also feel like Lonnie did damn good, and you you raise a good point. Um, so yeah, it it was very fun. I did like when Vanessa started pulling off parts of her outfit. I'm like, oh god, that, that's a lot of very expensive drag being chucked about around the stage. But get into it, ladies. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure, for sure. Um, so yeah, I actually enjoyed this episode more than last week's. Even you though... know, n- n- now that we've talked about it, so do I. Like, maybe it's just because I, I, like, I watched it this morning, and I'm just tired and hungover. Um, but yeah, like, it remains this very pleasant, effortless thing that I can enjoy without feeling bad about any part of it. Oh, totally, totally. Um, <laughs> and with that, is there anything else you wanted to talk about with this episode? Uh, nope. I think we're good. All right. All right. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Please rate, review, subscribe. Please follow us on Instagram. If you would like us to address anything specific or want to talk about anything, I encourage you to send a message to our Instagram account, uh, Reading Drag Race Podcast. That's it. I'm Condé Nasty. I'm Ursula the Sea Bitch. Bye. Bye.